Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the Latch Mama Podcast. Melissa here. For those of you who are joining us for the first time, the Latch Mama Podcast is a podcast for mothers in the trenches of motherhood. Happy New Year! You're listening to the Latch Mama Podcast. I'm your host, Melissa Wirt, busy mom of six and owner of LatchMama.com. Join us each week as we talk about pregnancy, breastfeeding, postpartum, and all things motherhood. Uh, today we are going to be talking about why parenting feels so hard. Yeah. Just in general. In general. Sure. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so it's the new year. I think I was tired last podcast. No, I wasn't. There was an in-between one with Kat. Um, yeah, I'm just feeling all the feels today. I'm tired. Um, the holidays are finally Mm -hmm. over. It's like that week where... I kind of look back and I'm like, what the heck has happened in the last month, two months, three months? Yeah. Um, Yeah. So if anybody else. Yeah. And it's kind of still feels like it's Wednesday, but it feels like the beginning of the week. So if anybody else is dragging, you have our permission to go sit down and grab a cup of tea or coffee or whatever your drink of choice is. And join us for an hour of talking about motherhood. Yeah. An hour? I don't think we've ever talked for an hour. No. Maybe 30 minutes. I no. don't know. We just talk and then we end. Every once in a while, I'll open an episode and I'll listen to it while I'm driving. And I'm like, wow, this one was 39 minutes. Oh, this one was 26. This one was 42. I don't know. <laughs> were Maybe- we tired that day that it was like yeah. 23 or something? Yeah. Um. So we're going to dig in a little bit to a Slate article um, that talked a little bit about whether parenting is harder nowadays than it was before and why that is and all of that stuff. It was just something that Lindy and I kind of went back and forth on and chatted a little bit about. Um, Has a little bit to do with the book, Um, but it also just has a lot to do with just what is happening in society and Mm -hmm. what is placed kind of on mother's shoulders and how it all comes together. And now that I've like read, read a little bit of that and like Mm -hmm. thought about it even just in the past five minutes like I don't even know if I want to use the word harder because I think everybody's like every mother yeah it's just hard in general but I think it's very different Uh so if you kind of look at those different kind of generations and yeah seeing the challenges and what they had to navigate Mm -hmm. versus what we navigate now I think it's really interesting I just couldn't imagine mothering without the information I have now but then yeah. there's sometimes I think about it and I wonder what it would be like if I didn't have Google to Google my kids' symptoms when they were sick and I don't go down the spiral of the fact mm-hmm. that there's something terribly wrong with them. Like, I wonder, but then again, Google can give us wonderful things too. But yeah. like, where does that expectation that we put on ourselves come from does it come from the extra information that is available to us i don't know know. sometimes i'm like is it making me like less confident in my ability to make a decision like yeah pick from the 175 different cribs and the 250 different types of strollers and i feel like probably my mom had one option yeah or like it was just the easier decision but then but again, like, to what you said, there are, is a huge benefit of information and being able to search and being able because to Because then we could potentially like 
be better parents or give Mm -hmm. our children better opportunities and things but do they really need better opportunities and things or do they need a mom who puts down her phone and stops googling and shopping for car seats or yeah things and actually gets on the floor and plays with wooden blocks with them right i don't know <laughs> i don't know like it's fascinating yeah. and it's really interesting is eric and i um after we got married we went around the world um went to like 13 different countries in like two months we both took a leave of absence from work it was pretty incredible and he always told me that it was going to make me a better mom because like i just wanted to have babies like i didn't want to go travel um and he was absolutely right i don't know how he knew that but the perspective that it gave me on the expectation i should have on myself was very important and how i parent and how i even survive what's with with what's on my plate every day like I mean, something as simple as we stayed in this guest house um, in Beijing and it was like kind of like in this little village and I had this favorite dumpling place because all I wanted to do in China was eat dumplings because that's like my love language is dumplings um, and potatoes um, and caffeine. But um, I we used to we walked to this dumpling place like literally three days in a row and we had just come from Tokyo and there was this that we were there for the major earthquake and it was scary. So literally I like found safety in dumplings and beer that week. Um, but we would pass this preschool every day on our way or a grade school or something and all the parents would be picking up the kids and the kids would just hop on the back of the moped and then they would go through these like cobblestone streets oh of the village which were not big you know they were just if you were to picture like just like downtown city streets with Mm -hmm. like you know stores on both sides but with like the infrastructure that you would imagine in like I mean it was in Beijing but it was outside of it like rural China kind of um but I do remember like in those early days of parenting trying to find the right car seat and getting so lost in mom groups and you know questions online and all of these different reviews and very very deep into Amazon and then I would just like take a step back and say like even our best car seat is probably or like the least rated car seat here is probably better than what the kids were on the back of there and did it change their happiness did it change their development as human beings and I understand we need to keep our kids safe when we're in the car and like you don't need a you don't need a sacrifice there but I guess what I'm saying is like ultimately what is our role as a parent or ultimately Mm -hmm. our role as a parent is to raise healthy, happy, safe children. And does it matter that we buy the best car seat on the planet? And maybe it does. Yeah. Because maybe that is our responsibility because maybe they are safer in the best one than they are in the least safe one. But where does the line stop in terms of just coming to a place of acceptance that there are inherent risks and we're not going to have all of the answers at all the time, but the answers are there apparently right. if we go looking for them. But how much time do you think you spent over the course of six kids thinking about car seats? And I know things changed. Like yeah. I came home laying on the back of my parents' like bench seat. Like, like when you came home from the hospital in South Africa? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like there were no yeah. car seats at all. Um, and I know that was like years ago in different country, yeah. different culture, um, but... I feel like you we get consumed by uh-huh. and I do think it's important and their safety like mm-hmm. you said but how much time do you direct I I can say with my first <laughs> child I spent so much time planning the nursery buying the mattress for the crib I remember spending yeah. hours and hours on and I think maybe it was bec- before motherhood hit me and before I actually realized that 
the ability to control everything was over. Because mm-hmm. um, I think you learn that maybe after your first kid that you no longer have control over anything. I mean, I learned it in the back of a of a car, um, having Nathan on the side of the highway. So I learned very, very early in motherhood that your best laid plans are not going to be yeah. the best laid plans anymore. Um, but prior to going into that first baby, um, I researched and researched and researched. And I do appreciate the people in my life who let me do that because I'm sure that there were people in my life like my parents or Eric's parents that kind of looked at me and said, oh my gosh, it doesn't matter what diaper bag you buy. Like your entire Mm -hmm. life is going to be rocked Mm -hmm. more than anybody could ever tell you. None of this stuff matters. But maybe it's a process of trying to bring control back in something that is there is no control and there is no one right answer to. Yeah. I just like get so lost in just the motherhood and different aspects. And so much of what you say makes me think of all these different things. Like I have this vivid image and then it makes me think of your book of my mom. And of course there was no social media there and they didn't live we were in South Africa, like you wouldn't even walk up the street to a friend's mm-hmm. house, but they would have like organized like mom groups. Mm-hmm. And I vividly remember them. They would sit in a circle, like on my mom's friends, like back porch. And like, I don't know where we were. Like we were just kind of not like kids would come up and say, hey to your mom. But like, you were not really allowed there. In the circle. So yeah. I don't really know where we were like running around the yard or something like that. But they would truly make these happen as, yeah. you know, for connection. Yeah. Um, Versus just the difference today with social media and how quick we can find a a quick connection. But what kind of connection is it, whether it's via text or Mm -hmm. phone call, and it's not a whole lot in person. But can we really make a three and a half, four hour play date Mm -hmm. right now in this economy where most moms are working? Like it just, I keep going back and forth, like, you know, and it builds and it's just so different. Um, And it's just the the answer that I literally probably asked myself once a day in some manner of frustration, tears, happiness, laughter is social media destroying motherhood or social media helping motherhood. And I don't think I'll ever have the right answer. I think I could spend the rest of my adult life reading and writing and studying it. And I don't know if I could ever have the right answer because I've seen some extremely terrible stuff happen on social media. Mm -hmm. Um, And I've seen some extremely wonderful, beautiful things happen as well. Um, But the motherhood space is a very, very delicate place, I would say, because we spend so much of our time in this vulnerable state. Um, between like trying to keep these little people alive and living with our hearts outside of our bodies, but at the same time having to make a million decisions a day. And each of those decisions comes with, an, with, with I think, a certain degree of uncertainty for a lot of people. Mm-hmm. And I think that there's a lot of probably shame and questioning wrapped up in that uncertainty, and then you try and bring people together. And I think it's a very hard hard thing to do. Um, I think it is much easier to do in person than it is to do over text or the internet. And I think that sometimes we end up leaning because we have it Mm -hmm. into text messages and our company slacks on Facebook. And I think that a lot of that genuine human connection is lost 
And I just don't think that that's the way people are supposed to interact with one another. I think things are get, get lost. I think things people get hurt. And I think that you lose a lot of that genuine connection that is crucial to just human happiness. Yeah. And it's it's a bit sad to see how life has essentially just gotten so much faster like a mm-hmm. faster pace which I do think we can control that mm-hmm. absolutely but I look back or compare maybe not compare it's a bad word but think about you know my mom as a mother and what she had to tackle kind of daily and mm-hmm. really how much slower it was um even just in the sense of like a telephone like if I called my friend like her her little dial-up you know yeah. little cassette tape voicemail box might have been full and I might have had to I couldn't even leave her a message in which like you know the minimal exponate ex- expectation would be I might hear from her tomorrow yeah if she can play and now it is just it's it's so so fast so finding that time to slow down to mm-hmm. meet in person it does make it more difficult and it's happening everywhere it's not just happening in the motherhood space you know i think that we focus on motherhood here and i think it's someplace that the detrimental effects of how fast society is moving can be felt larger here just because it's such in my opinion just an underserved unsupported population but I mean if you look at something like therapy like how many years ago was it an hour and a half and then you know insurance comes into play and it gets shortened and you know at what point is it all virtual and you know is that truly the way that it should it should go and like is that where we're going as a society as we have more technology put in front of us and you know, I mean, there's this statistic and I asked about it earlier and I thought it was funny. And the only reason why I talk about it so much now is because I had no, I like it took me five kids and running a business to learn that the number one cause of, of death the year after you have a baby is, is self-harm. And it just makes me wonder if that wasn't the case before, and I need to dig in to see what it was like 60 years ago, but if it wasn't Mm -hmm. the case, what has been added? What's been added are higher expectations and more disconnection. So what happens if we start to lower the the expectations and we increase the connection? Can we find some sort of solution there where, you know, we start to feel more connected? So maybe technology isn't great, you know? And I mean... You know, there there's better medicine and there are better answers and there's better learning. But then I think about like Nathan who struggles a little bit with reading and he has this virtual reading teacher and I'm not driving across Richmond every day to go take him to her, take him to her. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And he's growing leaps and bounds and it's amazing. So the technology there has, has helped, you know, mm-hmm. so he's in person. He was in person, but now he's virtual. And I think that the only way we could get him going four days a week, like he goes, Mm -hmm. is because of the fact that there's a virtual option. Mm. Um, So that's great. I don't know. And you mentioned something like we were talking about the speed. Mm -hmm. And what's always interesting, we can go back to like family dinners Mm -hmm. and things like that, which I know you guys value so much and we strive for. But (laughs) we have a lot of activities in the evening, um, which is our choice. But I wanted to think like when you traveled, uh-huh. like that's a whole nother thing to where I think I don't want to like label it, but but kind of in this Western Western uh-huh. world, food is fast. Food is not necessarily mm-hmm. seen as yep. connection time as um, 
really like fuel for your body and like all those kinds of things. Like what did you see as you traveled throughout those different, you know, cultures as far as mealtime and food? Because then you think it's like, oh, let me just put in like a DoorDash delivery. Like, and it just becomes a very fast thing and it's not really thought about. Yeah. So when we traveled, we stayed in guest houses. So it was a little bit before Airbnb happened. So they were more like we stayed, we tried to stay not necessarily with families, but in smaller, um, smaller locations where we were like within communities so we could meet people and we could share meals and stuff. Cause that was really important to us. Um, but you're right. Everything was much lower. I mean, I, probably remember the meals on our trip more than I remember anything else, especially just the relationships that are built around a table, which is probably why Eric and I try to have dinner as a family every night. I mean, I remember in Australia, um, we had met up, we had met a guy in Fiji. And then when we went to Australia, which was on our trip, probably on the next step of our trip um, we met up with him again and he had gathered a bunch of his friends together and we had gone out to dinner and there was this baby sitting in the high chair at the dinner table and uh it was the baby was eating gnocchi and um it was the first time i'd ever seen baby led weaning and the baby's over there like gagging like you do on baby led weaning you know just trying to get the Mm -hmm. food in the right place and stuff like that and um it was the first time we ever learned about it and we sat there for like because i had babies on the brain and i wasn't pregnant yet but i sat there for probably an hour and a half with that mom as she just kind of introduced something to me that wasn't quite a concept yet in the United States. I mean, it was here, but it wasn't like as prevalent as you see it now. But yeah, I mean, some of my best memories were from the slower pace that you see in other places of the world. Um, And it's very interesting when we landed in Hong Kong, we stayed in the city in Hong Kong, which was one of the places that we didn't. And I remember literally standing on a street corner and just hysterical crying. And I think it was the part of the trip where I was exhausted, but it was also, I was so overwhelmed with the fact that like there was no connection between people and it just affected me like hardcore. Yeah. It's a very, very like busy city um with a lot going on and a lot of lights and a lot of noise and a lot of sounds and we were staying in this really this like literally (laughs) it was it was maybe like 25 square feet little area the shower was next like the shower was like in the bed like it was so weird um but I think that it's true I think that we move in a very 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 fast pace um you know even like taking your earbuds out and like saying like, as I was listening to a podcast, I was not in a good place this weekend at one moment. And I decided to go to the grocery store, which I've probably done five times since the end of the pandemic. Um, but I had to get stuff for Eric's birthday dinner. And um, I was listening to a podcast, I was listening to Glennon Doyle's podcast um, as we were walking around. Um, and I made a point to take my earbuds out as I was checking out. Mm-hmm. And the guy looked at me and he was like, thank you so much. He was like, at least 50% of my people like that come through my line. Don't look up. Don't say hi. Don't take out. Like, just keep moving forward. Oh, my gosh. Uh-huh. And I was like, oh. I mean, I'm not surprised okay. by the fact that it has to be said. Yeah. You know. And if you truly believe that connection is what drives us like literally it's what gives us energy and gives us life then like what are we doing i don't know Mm. so i don't know but it's it's interesting too because i think that i think 
and I've been in this place so many times is like if we're afraid of connection because we're afraid of judgment Mm -hmm. because there are so many choices that you have to make in motherhood and the idea that you ever meet up with another mother and you've made all the same choices or you guys believe in all of the same things it's never going to happen yeah but that but that then that takes me back to all these choices I have a really hard time in truly believing like that the one the choice that I've made is the best but like but is that because you've had six chances to make those choices if not more than that and you just know I think that there's something to be said for having more than one kid because at that point you learn that like what works for one doesn't work for another and I think that that's just like a very general great life lesson in the sense that like what works for me isn't going to work for you yeah um you know you say hey we can't do family dinners like but I don't think that there's normally shame when you say we don't do family dinners and I said you know we had a great night around the dinner table last night yeah like, no. do you feel shame at all no yeah no I don't because I think you know we're both kind of comfortable in the decisions like mm-hmm. you know that we've made whether it's schooling and yeah. you know you're able to get a lot of it out before and yeah. I've been there like a homeschool yeah. to like totally get the yeah. pros you know yeah. um and this is just where we are now and yeah, no, I, it's it's great. And I think their perspective, you know, from other people. But um, like long ago when there were no evening activities, not in your family, but like let's say 60 years ago or whatever, when there were no evening activities and all the kids were doing were outside, they were just outside playing and you yeah. call them in for dinner. You know, was it easier then because you didn't have to make the decision of whether we do family dinner or whether we let four kids have evening activities? Yeah. You know, I mean, I think that there's something to be said for. And I mean, I look at how... I think there's something to be said for simplicity, but I look at the way Eric and I are raising our kids. And I think for so many ways we are, if somebody were to look at our life, we are trying to turn the clock back a little bit. I mean, Mm -hmm. we're living on a farm. We're living away from people. We're trying to not on purpose. (laughs) Some days I wish their friends were still around all the time. Yeah. Um, But, you know, we're trying to take out some of that constant, you know, come go here, go there, you know, do this, do that. But then again, like the boys climbed into bed and they were like, we have be real or be real. I don't even know what it's called. And I'm like, what is that? And then I'm like, Eric, did you put that on like their phones? Cause they have just that that app or something. And I'm like, what is this? And he was like, Oh, and I was like, is it safe? Like, like, what are you doing? What is it? What are you taking pictures of? And guys, boys, you always have to keep your clothes on. I mean, I didn't even know what to say. And then he was like, don't give them ideas. And I'm like, well, I feel like that's Internet Safety 101 is we should tell them to keep their clothes on if they're sending pictures. I don't even know. I don't know these things. But I'm like, holy moly, can I just go back to where I'm just worried about like playing? They're playing like yeah. kick the can outside, please. Yeah, yeah. I kind of miss the days like my boys are getting older and they'll go do like they definitely do things outside, but we don't often have those days where we create something crazy with duct tape and boxes and random crap in our garage that should be gone. Um, It's a little bit different. Like the other night we Matt and I were literally we just felt like I was bashing my head against the wall because somehow the kid could still access his phone but according to the parent app and according to the router and according to everything like everything should be shut down and then he's over there going 
I don't know. Like, and I'm like, does he like, does, is this some sort of workaround? Like, does he know what he's doing? Cause I'm like, we're lost. Like yeah. we don't really yeah. know how to navigate. And it was nothing bad. It's just, we're trying to set boundaries in time. But is it so like much that. harder? But like, it's like, like, I don't want to be dealing with this. Like, but what would we I really be doing don't. prior to a phone? And that's what like Eric said to me the other day. He was like, Melissa, the other option is, is that they're not prepared and they're not competitive with their peers when it comes to technology. And I'm looking at him and I'm like, oh my gosh, you're right. So what's the right answer? Yeah, that's the other thing. So he plays a sport and he's doing some travel. Well, they have a team chat with the coach. When he was at uh, sports in high school or things like that, they had a team chat. So it's like, well, I'm not required to give him a, like, I don't have to. And that shouldn't affect him. But it does a bit socially. And it does with the communication with with the adults and um, Mm -hmm. the coach and things like that. So I. What, what I don't do you know. Do? I say we go backwards. I say we go yeah. back to like no TVs. But it's like, like we need a collective backwards ice, because yes. like not just like <laughs> not just us because we'd be like just alone back know. there. But no, I, I agree with you. Sometimes I just like literally just want to go buy a cabin in the woods with like no electricity but i know i don't because i don't want six kids without screens bugging me all the time because screens but are that's where magic. we're at it's like screens are great but how can we like try to help you have a balance so he's gotten onto this car like mm-hmm. he's like loves legos mm-hmm. and the builder or whatnot so i've got him this like car and he's gonna like collect them mm-hmm. but the sweet kid it takes him it just like it's like a three-hour project mm-hmm. And he's done with like 1,800 pieces in this big manual. And I love watching him and he like so enjoys it, but he just goes through it so, so fast and, and then it's done. Will keep his... And it's like, yeah. how do I, I wish I could just give you one of these a day, but that's like really, really expensive. But we have, we but have like... fast content on YouTube and you can watch 17 different videos, one after another, after another, and get this similar brain stimulation. So is it a good thing or is it a bad thing? I don't know. But I also think about like when I had two little kids. I would have given anything in my life to be able to pull up outside of a grocery store and have somebody bring me milk. Like, I mean, yeah. I remember yeah. being exhausted, pouring down rain and literally sitting in a parking lot with my head against the steering wheel, wanting to cry because I knew I had to go bring you two had to kids go in. into a grocery store because we needed to get milk. Yep. And the fact that that is not a reality for so many women now, because you literally can just have it delivered or you can pull up outside of a store like yep. that is incredible. And that helps motherhood. So 100%. I don't know. I don't know what the answer is. Were we supposed to give solutions? Here? No, I don't I'm, think like so. you said, I don't think there is. And you may never find it. But I also think that there's something to be said for not having to do all the things and not having to do all the research and realizing that at the end mm-hmm. of the day, they need the kids yeah. need love and to be safe and we need connection. So those three th- things together mm-hmm. should be, you know, enough. Yeah. And that's all we need to be is enough, you know? Yeah. It's good enough. Yeah. Yeah. But and I just but I just keep having this thing like with that article. <laughs> like the whole like harder <laughs> aspect. I do think there are some things that are harder to navigate. Mm-hmm. The amount of mental work these days yeah. i 100% agree that it is so much more than possibly what my mom it's had to go through we have so much information that we have to hold ourselves to higher expectations it's too much information and it has to much. get processed somehow Absolutely. so you have I to process i couldn't imagine it. what it was like and i don't 
know. I th- I would think about this every pregnancy, and I was trying to wrap this up, but I think we can keep talking. Sorry. I don't really know. It's fine. People can keep listening or they cannot. That's what's cool about They're this. To wrap we're not up. taking their money, so they get to choose what they want to do. But it was, I've thought about it like a lot in every pregnancy is the idea of could you imagine like I have so much with with those six pregnancies I had so much anxiety from the beginning mm-hmm. till 20 weeks um and learning like if the baby was mm-hmm. healthy or whatever and it's so interesting to think about like what pregnancy used to look like I mean women wouldn't know they were pregnant until what eight weeks when they missed two periods and then your doctor mm-hmm. would see you and I guess there was a blood test or something but then there weren't a whole lot of tests or I you mean, never you didn't yeah. have a 20 week ultrasound uh, yeah, you never absolutely. knew what but, you were having and that's like, relatively new I think Eric's mom only had one with with her youngest mm-hmm who's like my age so it was like our parents generation so I feel like there was probably a lot of more there's probably a lot more surprise and and stillbirths and stuff like that happening but yeah there also wasn't a lot of is there something wrong with my body my baby do I need to come back for these how can I support you and so but it's such a double-edged sword because there's more anxiety yes. but then there's more knowledge earlier so you, you can, can say yes support. It I almost leaves me speechless uh-huh. because you just yeah. said you're like this. I have no like, idea. I, I, I do believe, though, that mothering now is a much higher anxious process than probably mothering with less information. Yeah, I think that's a whole lot better put than the word harder. Yeah, you know, I think that there's probably a lot more anxiety. And I think that it probably amounts in a lot of ways to said statistic that I like to quote about what's happening to our mothers in the United States right now. Agreed. So hang in there, guys. Do the best you can. It's okay not to research everything. Your intuition is your best friend. Yep. Bye, guys. <laughs> <laughs>